Portions of the following program may be pre-recorded. The following program is sponsored by the National Prayer Chapel. There is a judgment greater than anything you've ever known. It won't be long. Your life will pass by as a vapor and you will stand before the judgment seat of God. And every secret deed and thought Every wrinkle, every spot will be in view Before the one who knows all things The Lord of Lord and King of Kings You know the one you never knew While you have breath You have a choice to make in life Turn away from your sin And believe on the risen Christ You can find peace in Him From the judgment that's to come He is the shelter From the coming storm All creation shakes at the mention of His name. He has power over life and death. Every knee will bow and tongue confess. Heaven and earth will proclaim that Jesus Christ is Lord. To the glory of the Father will you bow, will you surrender to His majesty. He can save you from the might of all your sin. This is the fight in which He stands in perfect victory while you have breath. have a choice to make in life Amen Turn away from your sin and believe on the risen Christ You can find peace in Him from the judgment that's to he is a shelter from the coming storm While you have breath You have a choice to make in life from all your sin and believe on the risen Christ you can find peace in him from the judgment that's to come He is a shelter from the coming storm. He's the only shelter from the coming storm.
surely the storm is upon us in every area of our life. Welcome to Pilgrim's Progress. I want us today to be very, very honest with one another. I ask that you would not react immediately, but that you would think and pray. Read the scriptures. Ask the Lord if what I'm saying is truth. Almighty God, I know I cannot speak this word today without your Holy Spirit giving me the words and the direction. Or men and women on every hand will turn it aside as foolishness because their mind has been twisted and deceived. Lord, please come now with your glory and your power. And I put my hand in yours. Lead me through this and put your words in my mouth. In the name of Jesus. Amen. I was raised on a farm in western Pennsylvania. My father was a businessman, salesman, for the W.T. Raleigh Company. He did business by a handshake. He gave credit to farmers on a handshake. My father was a man of great honor. His word was his absolute reality. He would not violate his word. His word was his honor. And so I was raised in a family that would not tolerate lying, cheating, stealing, I grew up in a family where there was stiff discipline for any of these things. And I grew up in a farming community that loved America. Everyone was a patriot. I don't remember ever hearing one person as a child denigrating America. The war was recently over. Having been born in 1945, the Depression was still hanging on, but things were improving. I look back at those innocent days, and I say, what happened to us? This morning, I was out in a beautiful winter morning and I looked up and there I saw jets flying overhead streaming behind them clouds that would dissipate into the air after a long period of time and destroyed the clouds that were so beautiful Now, I've done research. I'm not going to try to prove what I'm saying. I'm simply telling you my experience. I did the research and discovered they were called chemtrails. I discovered that they release poison into the atmosphere to control our weather. That they bring drought to the West Coast that they change weather patterns. I did more research and discovered that the government has patents on ways to use weather as a warfare, power, technique, weapon. I listen to what's happening in the mainstream news I see the destruction of America. Yesterday, the Fed, one of their representatives said, it's obvious that we have to reduce the economy of America. What? Yes, we have to reduce 
the economy of America. We have to reduce the business levels. Will I remember the the shutdowns of American business? And then I discovered that there were patents signed by Barack Obama or regulations signed by Barack Obama and by DARPA that allowed the COVID to be created. Now, all of this is open. You can go research and find all of it. Why did they do that? Well, it's apparent from the Georgia Guidestones that there was a eugenics agenda going on at the top levels of our government. And by the way, look back at what Pol Pot did in killing of millions of people. Others. Stalin. Look at what America has done in Iraq, Afghanistan. Why? Look what they've done in Syria. My whole life we've been at war. I'm 77 years old and I cannot remember a time when war was not being fought by America. Why? Who made us the ruler of the world? And look at the petrodollar, and now we're seeing its destruction. I'm hearing daily that the dollar is collapsing. Now, the most recent thing I'm hearing from some very powerful people that eggs are bad for you, that they create clots in your body. That's utter nonsense. Eggs have been used for thousands of years, a primary source of protein for the human race. Now they want to take the eggs away, so egg factories are destroyed. Chickens are killed. What am I saying? I'm saying that it's obvious that there has been an infiltration into our government to turn it into something utterly corrupt and murderous. That gives me great sorrow. I see government officials making decisions based on how they're paid off by foreign countries, by powerful interests in this nation. It seems there is no integrity in America anymore. The cost of living is skyrocketing. The cost of homes is beginning to drop. People are losing the value in their homes. What are we to do with all of this? Well, I was sharing this with a dear brother, and he said, you know, I see all of that, but I just had to make a conscious decision. There's not anything I can do about it. So I'm not going to focus on that. Instead, I'm going to focus on what Jesus wants in my life. And I'm going to help as many people as I can. Well, I've decided the same thing. I'm not going to turn this broadcast into a hit job against the corruption I see in our nation. But I say there is there is rot to the very core of America. We have soaked the blood of America into the soil. And now, God is going to bring judgment against us. Severe judgment. But you know what? 
That's not even my primary concern. I see billions of dollars being spent on arms that are being sent over to the Ukraine. A war that we ginned up. A war that America has created. The threat of nuclear war now hangs over the world and over America. Never mind about the homeless. Never mind about creating jobs. No, they want fewer jobs. They want more Americans unemployed. Or they want them working two or three jobs to keep their mind occupied with, how do I pay the mortgage? So, everybody runs harder and faster. No money for our veterans of foreign wars or no money for our veterans. So they are left uncared for. I see all of this, but it causes me to stop and ask a question. Now, this question may be very painful and difficult for you to deal with, but I think we have to be honest and deal with it. And that is, if the devil has been able to capture Hollywood, and certainly he has captured Hollywood, if the devil has captured the American government, and is turning it against the population of America and will one day soon continue the trend that's already there in turning the government against the church. If the devil has been able to capture the businesses, the corporations of America, What has the devil done to the church? See, the devil's not primarily interested in capturing America. Not primarily interested in capturing the finances. Not primarily interested in in any of the other areas. What he's interested in is bringing about a one-world government. Revelation tells us the rise of the beast power and the rise of the lamb-like beast that will enforce the mark of the beast and kill countless numbers of Christians. That's what Revelation tells us. Revelation also tells us that this, this nation that enforces the mark of the beast will be financially drained and will become a prostitute, a whore. And that she will go to the European nations and she will sit on the beast. She will sit on the kingdoms of the beast until they become utterly finished with her and no longer want her and they'll cast her out the scriptures say and they'll burn her with fire that's America America will receive back to herself everything she's done to everybody else so what is the devil interested in He's interested in setting up his one-world government, but there is a people, as Haman said, there is a people in your kingdom that do not respect or love you. And I'd like to destroy them. It's for your best good. Okay, destroy them. And he tried to destroy the Jewish nation, the Jewish people, who were in exile. 
the devil is rising up a beast power that is a replica of Haman, except much more powerful and much more widespread. Because he wants to destroy anything in his way of becoming the one world government leader. It's about power and control and money. So what should we expect the devil to try to do to the church? Well, you can be sure that many, many years ago, the devil began to emerge. And we're told in the scripture that the that the Antichrist, as John called him in 1 John, the Antichrist power is already here and is already at work. Well, today that Antichrist power is much clearer to our eyes, to our minds. We see it emerging now. But what is the Antichrist power, what is the demonic power trying to do in the church? And it tried way back then through Gnosticism. Now, the Gnostic belief was simply that you could that you could not sin, that nothing was considered sin. The flesh could be sinful on the outside, but your spirit was dipped down into the filth of the world and drawn out and washed off, and it was pure, no need of a Savior. That Gnosticism, that antinomianism, has been apparent for years in the Christian church. Now, there's one book in the scriptures that the Holy Spirit specifically directed like an arrow, the content of that book. Now, he inspired all of scripture. And the scriptures have met the specific needs of God's people Throughout the years, Ephesians, Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, First and Second Peter, First John, the Gospels, the Holy Spirit breathed all of these books, all of these letters specifically to help carry those that love Jesus Christ and have been crucified with him. Now, I love the Lord for being so plain with us. But a plan had to be devised that would destroy the effectiveness of all of these books. I can read what the book says, and immediately some people will give me an interpretation of those books that twists the meaning of those books and says, no, it doesn't mean that, it means this. Now, I have to tell you, when I come to the scriptures, I read it insofar as possible in a literal sense. If it says it, I believe it. If somebody comes along and says, no, 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 pastor, it doesn't mean that. It means this. I say, how do you know it means that? Show me in the scriptures where it tells me that the simple word is not the simple word. Well, it's a twisted word that's given. Hmm. Do you know this word, this term gaslighting? I hear it a lot today in the news. It means literally that a a person comes with speech from a psychological perspective to deliberately confuse and mislead the minds of those who will hear these words. 
words have meaning. But in today's culture, words don't seem to have much meaning except as they twist our emotions or they twist our mind. But nobody goes after that person and says, stop it. Speak the truth, plain, simple, put it out. When I was a kid, you didn't gaslight anybody. You were expected to tell the truth. And in my family, if the truth was not forthcoming, Dad took a belt and gave us a whipping. Don't lie. Be honest. Well, today, NBC, CBS, CNN, all of these companies, they've hired people, professionals, to control the gaslighting of the American people. But that's also happening in the church. I've had the gaslighting of professors and teachers twisting the meaning, saying, oh, oh, Ray, it can't mean that. That's impossible. Oh, really? If Jesus said it, I believe it. It's that simple for me. Now, you can call me simple-minded if you want to. But if Jesus says it, I believe it. Now, with that understanding, let's come to this one book out of all of the Bible that is aimed like a like an arrow directly at the heart of the modern Christian church. That book is not written by a lightweight. We don't see or much hear about him, but he's a heavy hitter. He knew Jesus as a boy. He grew up with Jesus. His name was Jude. In the first chapter of Jude, (laughs) and you know, there's only one chapter to Jude. I wish that he had written many more chapters, but there's only one chapter to the book. And he lays it out like a laser. Now, again, you may not like what he lays out, but don't deny what he says. If you want to be in rebellion against what he says, okay, take the consequences. But let's not try to reinterpret Jude. Let's not try to gaslight. Let's not try to reinterpret the truth that Jude wants to give us. He is perfectly capable of speaking for himself. He grew up with Jesus. He knew Jesus. Now, granted, he scorned Jesus the beginning, as did James. He and James are brothers. James was the first head pastor of the New Testament church. I'll read verse 1. Jude, a servant of Jesus Christ and brother of James. Now let's listen as he addresses this book to us. To the ones having been made holy. Now if you read the NIV or you read some other scriptures, they're not being faithful to the Greek. If you get a literal translation, however, it's to the ones called In other words, they have been convicted. They have seen their sins. And they have been made holy. In other words, Jesus acted upon these men and women that he called, and he did an incredible work of making them holy. The word justified means to be made holy. 
That's the actual meaning of the old English word that translates justified. To the ones called having been made holy. The primary focus is that Jude's listeners have experienced that which cleared them of all sin. They have been sanctified. They have been made holy. They are now in a state of moral purity. This is the fulfillment of the scriptural word that they are now like Jesus. Read Romans 8.29. This was Jesus' prayer for his disciples. Make them holy. John 17, verse 17. Chapter 17, verse 20. So, he's going to speak to a people who no longer walk in sin. I know, already I hear you say, oh, wait a minute, nobody can walk without sin. No, please listen to the expectation that Jude has for the listeners and the readers of this word. He believes that he is writing to people who have been acted upon in a miraculous way in in giving them a birth from above in the work of being crucified with Christ. They have been made into new creatures. They have been sanctified. They have been made holy. They've been made holy by God the Father. And they have been kept by Jesus Christ. Now, Here we need to understand, yes, Jesus Christ holds us in that place of sanctification. But if you look at 1 Timothy 5.22, it says you must keep yourself holy. In other words, this salvation process is not just all on God's side. Remember. Pilgrim's Progress, John Bunyan, believed that it was a journey. And there were those who entered into that journey who took the wrong path and who died on the journey. That is, they totally forsook the way of Christ. James one twenty seven: keep oneself unspotted from the world. The modern church says, you can't keep yourself unspotted by the world. If you look at 1 John, and let's turn there. 1 John 5, I'll begin reading for you in verse 18. 1 John 5. Let me begin reading for you in verse 18, and I am reading from a literal translation of the New Testament by Lavender. We know that everyone having been born out of God is not sinning. What is sin? According to the Gospel of John, according to 1 John, Sinning is a voluntary act of rebellion against God. It is a choice I make. It is an action I take. It is a a pursual of thinking that I take. We know that everyone having been born out of God is not sinning. Now, do you need to redefine that? Do you need to interpret that? Isn't it plain right on the face of it? 
but the one having been born out of God is continually keeping himself, and the wicked one is not touching him. Oh, the wicked one can't touch you if you are firmly sanctified in God the Father. That's what it said. We know that we are out of God, but the whole world lies in the sphere of the wicked one. Now, the the modern church wants me to believe that I'm always in the sphere of the wicked one and I can never be free of the sphere of the wicked one. I'm always going to be sinning. But Jude is saying, no, you're sanctified. You've been made holy. Verse 20, And we know that the Son of God has already come and has given understanding to us so that we may know the true one. And we are in the true one, in his Son, Christ Jesus. This is one, the true God and life eternal. Little children, you must protect yourself from the idols. So, take care. That's what he's saying. Jesus Christ has kept you. He's done the work of sanctifying you. And now he's saying, okay, walk it out. Don't trust in the world again. Don't give yourself to the powers of darkness. The Apostle Paul says, use the members to serve Jesus Christ, not to serve the darkness. Having been kept by Christ Jesus. You see, the security of the believer is not just one-sided. It's not once saved, always saved. It's man working, cooperating, walking, one and one with our Father. But now, listen. May mercy and peace, Jude 2, and love be multiplied to you. I want to say that again. Jude is saying, look, modern Church of America, May mercy and peace and love be multiplied to you. Beloved, verse 3. Exercising every conceivable diligence to write to you concerning our common salvation. So, Judas saying, look, I've been wanting to write a letter explaining fully this salvation that we've come into. He had to come into it. He came from a scorning, wicked man, giving Jesus a very difficult time in childhood and later. He comes from that. And with all diligence, he wants to write concerning our common salvation. However, I had a compelling obligation to write to you, summoning you to strenuous effort on behalf of the faith, once and for all handed over to the, to the holy ones, not to the half-converted. Now, can I say this, please? The devil intends to entirely capture the American church and the people of God. Sometimes it appears to me in my human flesh that he's already done that. But I stand by faith that he will bring an honest, earnest, thundering and lightning revival to America. 
and that God's people will cast off the lies that they've been taught, that they can never stop sinning, they can never be clean. The twistedness, the wicked twisting of the gospel. The Lord is going to break that. And he's going to set many of his people free. Because in their hearts, they want Jesus. And they want a pure, straight word from the scriptures. Now listen. Verse 4, this is Jude, verse 4. For certain men sneaked in, the ones already having been written about for this judgment. Notice, ungodly men who are perverting the grace of our God into lustful indulgence and are denying the only sovereign God and our Lord Jesus Christ. Grace perverters were at work in that time, Gnostics, being a part of the church, but perverting grace. They took up the true grace of God that teaches us to say no to ungodliness and guides us into total sanctification. They take up this grace of God and in its place, They put a false grace down, destroying the message of salvation. They don't believe that the Deliverer came on the cross. They believe that death is their Deliverer. They won't be made holy until they die. Now it says... Ungodly men. What does it mean, ungodly men? Men who pervert the grace of our God into lustful indulgence. What is lustful indulgence? Following what they say it's impossible to give up. So a man will be chasing after money. He'll be following his instincts to go after the entertainment that his heart desires. He may be going to pornography or masturbation. He may be lying, cheating, and stealing. But he can still be a a pastor. He can still have his his indulgence. He can still walk with the wicked. First on his heart is not the kingdom of God, it's his kingdom. And it says they're denying the only sovereign God. How are they denying Jesus? They create a different Jesus. They create a Jesus who does not have the power in his blood to release you from all sin. And this lie has permeated the Christian church today, and the devil is using it to capture the people of God, captured by the devil. If you say, I'm a sinning Christian, you've just spoken what they call an oxymoron. A person who is walking in sin is not a Christian. You want me to read that for you? (laughs) All right. I'll read it for you. find it quickly.
everyone doing the sin continues doing the lawlessness. In fact, the sin is lawlessness. That is, I can do it my way. And you know that the one was manifested so that he may take away our sins. Indeed, there is no sin in him. Everyone who continues remaining in him does not keep on sinning. Everyone sinning has not seen him, neither has he known him. See that no one deceives you. The one continually doing the righteousness is righteous. The one continually doing the sin is out of the devil. Because the devil sins from the beginning. For this purpose, the Son of God was manifested so that he may destroy the works of the devil. Everyone having been born out of God does not continue to sin. Now, yesterday I I did a message rushing toward God and rushing toward judgment. I walked carefully, verse by verse, to Psalm 51. I spoke with a brother this morning. He said, Pastor, I've been reading that passage of Scripture over and over and over And I've been crying out to God and asking him to do that work in my life. See, this work that the blood does in us, that the Father does in sanctifying us, is not cheap and it's not easy. This work takes time, not months, not years but it does take some weeks of total concentration. Again, where I have struggled, they call it Moderna. The culture that we're a part of, the expectations of that culture, the technologies of that culture, the entertainment of that culture, Everything that's included in this that has come at the devil's perversion to deceive us, to turn us away from the truth, from Jesus Christ. The devil does not want you to be saved. He wants you to be lost. He wants you to go to hell. And if we make compromises in that and say, you know what? I'll just do the best I can do, and that's all I can do. No, this is a miracle work of God that he must do in your heart. And the only way he'll do that in your heart is if you take the time to close out the Moderna. You turn off your cell phone. You turn off the Internet. You turn off the television. You get alone with God. You face honestly your real condition before a holy God. You confess your sin. You repent of it as a gift, free gift from Jesus, by his grace. And you come to a point where you say, All right, Lord, I understand. Change my heart. Create in me a clean heart. Renew in me a right spirit. Please, what you see in our culture that we call Christian is not Christian according to the scriptures. It's Christian according to the culture. Moderna is very accepting of modern Christians. We fit right in. But when we come to Jesus and we get serious, And we go after him with all of our heart and all of our soul and all of our mind. When our money is his, our family is his, we give him our wives, we give him our children, we give him 
everything we have. We lay it all down for Jesus. And we finally say, I'm going to believe what the scriptures say. I'm going to take it at face value. I'm not going to believe the lies. I'm not going to be lazy. I'm going to seek after God with all of my heart and all of my mind and all of my soul. I am going after God. And there's an urgency and there's a passion. And you're going after God until you find him. And he will then step in. And he will sanctify you. He will make you holy. They deny that Jesus Christ, blood, can break the power of sin over your life. Oh, yes, Jesus can do wonderful things for you. But he can't cleanse you of all your sin. Then why did Jesus die if his blood has no power to cleanse me, if it only has the power to take me here and move me over into heaven where I live with eternity with him? I don't want to live through eternity with any sin in my heart. I'd be Satan then. I'd be the devil then. Sin will not enter heaven. Well, you point to the passage in Corinthians that says in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, I'll be changed. Now, that's only speaking about your physical body being changed into a spiritual body. It's not talking about your moral character. We face the reality that the devil wants to take us out. He wants to kill us. Just like the devil has captured Hollywood and the government and the business sector. and Now he's capturing the church and filling it with blatant lies. I hope you can tell today that I believe that the salvation spoken of in Scripture does two things for us. First, it removes our sin. And secondly, it cleanses us from all sin. We need both to happen. Don't be content with some cheap understanding that your sins have been forgiven. They have to be removed. Well, we're out of time. I love you, my brother, my sister. Go to our webpage, nationalprayerchapel.com. Nationalprayerchapel.com. You can give online. You'll find our address there that you could write to me. I love you. I'm going to continue the study of Jude tomorrow. You have the courage to be here. It'll be straight and it'll be clean. I'll talk to you soon. Blameless before the presence of God.